Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Steven Taylor. How are you two doing? Pretty good. Very warm, but good. Yeah, yeah doing doing okay. I, I I mean, I have air conditioning, so I don't feel super warm right now. But I, I you know, I, I can I can relate. <laughs> I'm I'm in like the top story of the building, so like all the heat just rises up to our suite, and it just makes me alive. So I'm mm-hmm. like, is there a chance I could just leave for a bit and just go outside, like? Even going outside feels less hot than in my place, so. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, good excuse to go out. And it's Mother's Day, so go hug your mother, or, I don't know, maybe don't. I don't know who you do yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking, like, some people are probably strange for their mothers. Maybe they don't want to hug them, but you know what? You do. Uh, you know, <laughs> didn't really time this. I don't I definitely didn't time this, but now I'm thinking about Eraserhead does in a way count like a Mother's Day movie, right? You know? Kind of, a bit, a bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the most healthy of mother, mother, uh, creature, son, uh, features, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, yeah, we're talking about Eraserhead this week, which, if you don't know what Eraserhead's about, boy oh boy, are you in for a wild ride? The official summary reads, Henry resides alone in a bleak apartment surrounded by industrial gloom when he discovers that an earlier fling with Mary X left her pregnant. He marries the expected mother, mother sorry, and has her move in with him. Things take a decidedly strange turn when the couple's baby turns out to be a bizarre lizard-like creature that won't stop wailing. Other characters include a disfigured lady who lives inside a radiator and have the building and add to Henry's troubles. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, that was probably the, one of the more coherent summaries I've uh, heard for Eraserhead, for sure. Oh, is there others? Because I'm sure other ones are just like, this movie made no sense. Or... A, a lot of the other summaries get very metaphorical, that's for sure. <laughs> they don't always like describe what actually happens in the movie, but more try to um, maybe explain some of the absurdity, just in case people go into it not realizing um, how over the top it can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, let's just face the real facts, is that I mean, aside from, let's say, Elephant Man and Straight Story, um, Lynch doesn't, David Lynch doesn't kind of languish in any kind of coherence when it comes to linear storyline telling. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of his is existential or metaphorical or, um, yeah, like he, he's always dealing with it at different wavelength and I mean this is the guy that came up with transcendental meditation so mm-hmm. um, yeah it, it's just part of I mean for a fan like me it's part of the genius but um, for an out, for outside people that aren't as lynch heavy in their cinema mind it's uh, a lot of what the fuck yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, David Lynch is definitely an acquired taste I would say mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I don't ever expect everybody to like his movies, but, yeah. Um, yeah. His movies are definitely a choice, that's for sure. That's the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, I, I personally am not the biggest David Lynch fan, 
but I respect his hustle. I respect what he's trying to do. Even if I'm not always on board for it, I respect it. Oh, yeah. In general, I really, really, really like David Lynch. Like, Twin Peaks, the first time I watched that, I, like, fell headfirst into it, and I thought it was amazing. I will say it can drag a little bit sometimes for me. Like, rewatching Twin Peaks can be a bit of a struggle, depending on what else I got well, going on. Season 2. Yeah. Season two, when, when Lynch isn't there, when Lynch kind of leaves to do um, Wild at Heart, mm. um, it gets a little lost um, yeah. here and there. Some of the storylines, I mean, uh, Nadine with her silent drapes, there's just there's a lot of just like weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, I will say I did love the absurdity of the silent drapes. That was just, it was one of those weird little subplots that for some reason I got kind of invested in just because of how absurd it was in that storyline. Actually, um, I think the most absurd is when Nadine thinks she's a high schooler. That's where it gets all crazy. <laughs> and that's that David Lynch thing, too, of, like, sometimes you just have to accept what's happening on screen doesn't really have an explanation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just weird to be weird because this is just the strange magic that's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of how I think about it is that in Lynch's movies, there is this maybe underlying strange magic at work that doesn't necessarily have an explanation, which I'm sure can frustrate some people watching these things, but it's kind of like watching, like, Killing of a Sacred Deer, and just, you have to go along with that dialogue, and the style of that dialogue, because that's just how that universe is, you know? Um, So, if you can kind of buy into that a little bit, I think you can really enjoy Lynch's work. Yeah, for sure. Um, Not to deviate totally, but just because it's relevant right now. Yeah, right. Um, you brought up uh, Killing of Sacred Deer. Have you guys seen the trailer for Poor Things yet? I haven't, no. Oh my god. Yorgos' new movie is on September 8th. Those are two days after my birthday. Ooh. And um, Willem Dafoe's in it. Ooh. And now he has the infinity gauntlet of crazy directors. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo's in it. I'm like, hmm. I'm curious to see what you do in that movie. Yeah, me too. But Emma Stone's the lead. Margaret Hawley is in it, too. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. It is a sci-fi film, strictly sci-fi film from Yorgos, and it's written by Tony McNamara. Um, and if you guys aren't watching The Great right now, you guys need to. Oh, my God. You guys need to. I, I, Nicholas Holt is such a piece of shit in it, but all of his lines are fucking gold. Nicholas Holt, our potential new Superman, by the way. Uh, I think it should be David Cornsweat, actually. Yeah, I think he's the front runner, but yeah. Yeah, I, I would really like if it was Dave Corn Sweat, especially to give him his flowers after Pearl. Yeah, true. So, I, I hope it's him, because I think he looks very close to the character. He looks he almost looks very Henry Cavill-like. Yeah. So, yeah, I, just, I hope he gets it. Not to deviate too much, but again, we do. We say we, like, not to deviate too much, but that was deviate, but like... That was super <laughs> deviate, but I mean, we brought it, because Pearl's a horror movie, so we kind of brought it back. Yeah, but yeah, I'm curious... I saw that they're bringing back Lex Luthor, and I'm like, this is going to be our, like, fourth or fifth Lex Luthor or something like that. Like, as long as it's not Jesse Eisenberg, as much as I enjoy Jesse Eisenberg, just a terrible Luthor. Or Kevin Spacey, because you actually would believe he's a villain. <laughs> wasn't, or, oh, these days. Wasn't the, wasn't the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor based slightly on Max Landis, or is that a crazy internet rumor that I read somewhere? I don't, I don't, I don't give Zack Schneider that kind of narrative grasp. Okay. Okay, never. Sense. I would never give him that <laughs> kind of. Everyone that every fanboy that sucks on his D about his fucking his universe is so fucking misguided and so wrapped up in Ayn Rand at the shrugged shit. Oh yeah. That I can't. You can't even talk. Like 
anybody that watched Batman v Superman, John Justice, and like, this is the perfect universe. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, I don't even care. I don't even care how much hate I get on that. And I've gotten DM hate from Snyderverse bots for years. And your opinion means shit to me. I was going to say, too, Zack Snyder's one of those directors where he can literally, he's probably not the smartest person in the world. But I think people no. elevate his stuff and make him seem more intelligent than he actually is. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's really good. Cool. Like, I don't, I think you're really reaching here. I think he probably didn't even think about that when he was making this movie, like. How can you watch Sucker Punch and Army of the Dead and, 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 and be like, oh my god, this guy knows cinema. Like, no, he fucking doesn't. The, I mean, Army of the Dead, it, he did the cinematography on that, and it's so fucking annoying. The, the look of that movie is just frustrating. And the weird digital focuses and stuff, like, it's just, there's so much wrong with that movie. He knows how to put hot girls in cute outfits. Mm-hmm. That's what I got out of Sucker Punch. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I mean, I like his adaptation of Watchmen. Um, yeah, Watchmen's okay. Like, I think that's I think that's his best is Watchmen in my opinion. If you watch the extended edition, that's yeah, like, yeah, the the full on director's cut with the the Black Freighter and everything yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I think that's his crowning achievement in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But back to Eraserhead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time we watched Eraserhead. Oh god, I saw it years and years. I can't even remember when I saw it, but um, my my buddy showed it to me, and this movie, I, I think it still sticks in my brain. It, it's it's unforgettable. Like once you see it, it's it's you can't erase it. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, one of the. I mean, the first movie that I watched with my now husband was Cabin in the Woods, and then one of the first movies that he recommended we watch together was Eraserhead. So I think our first movies are, are cover a good gamut of horror. Um, and that was oh, probably six or seven years ago now, maybe maybe eight years ago. So that was the first time that I watched Eraserhead. Um, I forgot how it ended, but all of the middle bits I pretty much remember. <laughs> yeah, because again, it's, it's hard to forget a lot of what happens in Eraserhead. This is true. This is almost more of an experience than an actual movie. A hundred percent, yes. Well, there's not even a lot of dialogue in it. I don't. I think it's there's no dialogue at least for the first twelve minutes. I want to say, and then there's no dialogue in the last half hour. So, I mean, it very much is an ex- experimental experience. And I mean, for David Lynch to like this is his his debut. Like mm-hmm. this is this is what kickstarted this insane career that he's had. Um, and still, for it to be an unforgettable benchmark is, I mean, like even if I, even if I feel like if you showed this movie now to somebody for the first time, it would still have the same desired effect. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, first time I watched this was for like a film studies class in university. Yeah, uh, I remember the teacher was like, just we had to like just sit and watch it, and after we had to write a paper on it, and at the mm-hmm. time I was like. This movie sucks. It's so boring. <laughs> I mean, twenty-year-old me did not have the same film taste as I do now. So, well, it's about patience, you know. Yeah, and I think the movie definitely benefits from multiple viewings too. Same with Lost Highway, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, uh, I haven't really watched it since. I think it's like mostly just because I remember what happens, and it's not a movie that I have a burning desire to just put on randomly. I, 
I think the thing that kickstarted me to rewatch it was the Criterion. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, like, if we're tipping our hat, both Lynch films that we're covering in these recording sessions are both Criterion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I think shows the importance, whether you get Lynch or not, or whether you appreciate him or not, you have to appreciate his mark on cinema. Because I, I don't think you'll have your ghost without Lynch. You won't have uh, Ari Aster without Robert Eggers. Like, all the, the people that we really appreciate now, these these new original filmmakers, I don't think you have them without without Lynch kind of setting out to real, fully realize the, the strangest things in his brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, none of the, the teen girlies would have ever got Riverdale. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which is so Lynch leaning. I was, I was when I watched the pilot for that show. I was so surprised. I mean, they got um, Madgen. I don't remember her Madgen last name. Maggie. Yes, they got oh, her as, as Betty's Johnson. mom. She like her being in it is really what got me you watching know. it in the first place too. And um, Skeet One of my original crushes, her and Audrey Horn. Yeah, original crushes actually, and and Laura Flynn Boyle as well as Donna Hayward. They were all pretty hot. They were all like Lynch had Lynch has an incredible sense of awareness no matter what people might believe on the outside um and twin peaks is such lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. that kind of paid like paved a large way for narrative television making mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's a benchmark everyone likes to say sopranos is the benchmark but it happened years before that with twin peaks I only watched a couple episodes of Riverdale. It was only because I found out that an uh, actor that was in one of the Friday the 13th was in it. But then I just stopped watching it after like two episodes or something. So. That's about all you really need at Riverdale. I think so, yeah. yeah. Although yeah. it's funny because like, uh, I grew up at least for part of my life in Mission, and like there was Mission BC for those who were like, what? What's Mission? And um, <laughs> they have the. Um, the diner there that like was just like a whatever diner like it was like a little like greasy spoon spot where you were drunk or hungover or whatever but now yeah. like you go there there's people like that go like on mass to like celebrate it's like the diner from riverdale when it's like okay now yeah. everything's more expensive and the food's like yeah fancier, it's like all right i hope their food is fancier because the last time i was there before riverdale film they tri- they served me shredded cheese on my poutine and i have what? words about that that's Although, they were also, like, mildly locally famous, I think, because of their milkshake selection. Like, you could, they, it was almost like you could choose two flavors and they'd mix them together for you or something like that. But um, their food was kind of, it was basically subpar. But, yeah, yeah I guess they, they probably do a ton of business because of the Riverdale. Oh, yeah. Like, the last time I went, there was, like, a group of, like, ten people outside waiting to get in. Next up on Riverdale cast. Um... <laughs> Alright, uh, we have a couple emails, uh, first is from Jess, who says, This movie is even more disturbing when you consider how autobiographical it is, as Lynch had a baby on the way he didn't want, and was in a run-down neighborhood, and his marriage was struggling. That's, mm. that's sad. <laughs> I, I mean, that, but I guess it checks out. Most most of the time, the best kind of art comes from our own personal experiences, so it 100% makes sense. I mean, I don't know if you'd necessarily be able to make... Not that this movie is 100% coherent, but there is a through line to it, and I don't know if he'd be able to successfully have a through line to it if he hadn't already experienced some of the things that Henry in the movie, maybe not one-to-one experiences with, you know, the monster children and things like that, but 
uh, there's definitely a lot of his own personal feelings coming through, and I feel like you can kind of tell. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, an eerily relatable movie, despite the fact that it's not very relatable in some aspects. Yeah. Yeah. This is what it is. Okay. Uh, Kevin says, I just watched Wild at Heart and rewatched this for the podcast, and now I'm certain that Jack Nass is from another dimension. For sure. And then, of course, bringing Pete Martell into it. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, I, he's got some of my favorite lines in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also the catalyst for the whole story. He's the one that finds Laura, Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic. <laughs> um, I mean, it's someone put a fish in the percolator. There's so many just different crazy things. And, I mean, tragic things. Do, we know, do you guys know what happened to Jack Nance? Oh, yeah, no. he died. Yeah, he was beaten to death. Oh, my it God. It wasn't even that he was beaten to death. I think he got, like, punched and he had, like, a One punch. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, he died the next day from, like, some... Complications? Ritual. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he went and had, like, breakfast or dinner or something, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, a punch. He's like, yeah. And then next day... And he's fucking dead. Oh, my God. That's tragic. Tra- yeah, actually, Absolutely no. tragic. And he was married to um, Catherine E. Coulson, who was the log lady. On, ah! on uh on uh twin peaks and uh his love interest in this one quote unquote not really a love interest but the mother of the baby uh was uh bobby briggs mom on twin peaks there you go cool yeah very cool he loved reusing actors um that he had great experiences with and jack nass was a close friend um and I mean, even Jack Nance's look in the film is David Lynch's look at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's such, but I mean, the cohesion over the over Lynch's career and everything. Uh, I mean, some actors he wouldn't, he would only use once. Right. Uh, Nick Cage only used once. Anthony Hopkins only used once. John Hurt only used once. Um, but. Arguably, some of their greatest performances of their careers were in, in Lynch movies. Like, look at, I mean, Willem Dafoe in, in Wild at Heart. It's like an insane performance. Yeah. It's so damn good. Uh, Richard Farnsworth, uh, Straight Story. Um, uh, and I will we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but Bill Pullman in uh, Lost Highway, right? Like, some, some really great performances. I love the Woman the Radiator song. It's so haunting. The In Heaven stuff. It's so haunting and it's made its way into music zeitgeist because the Pixies played it regularly on their tours. Um, and even Bauhaus likes to play it on, on some of their on some of their concerts and stuff. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's just it's, it's one of those things you always remember from that stage performance. Yeah, actually, um, my husband first heard about Eraserhead through seeing that song, I think, on YouTube or something like that. And it just, like, sparked something in him, and then he got super intrigued and actually ended up watching and loving Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. And when we rewatched it uh, the other night, um, that scene came on, and he just started singing the song. And I was like, wow, okay, yeah, this is... <laughs> and, but it's, like, also so catchy, almost. Like, it kind of... It's earworm a little bit. It gets into your yeah. brain. Yeah. Mine is. Which I think is very fitting for Eraserhead. Yeah. Mine is Keller Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
I liked the line um, early on when Henry first goes for dinner and uh, her Mary's mom is like, she's pregnant, the, the baby's in the hospital, and Mary goes, they're still not sure if it is a baby. I liked that a lot. Very self-aware of the situation, even though her mother is like, there, there's a baby in this mix. and people are like, fuck this, what is this? Yeah. Nobody got it, you know? And so now for it to be as celebrated as it is, and, and deservedly so in my opinion, um, it's kind of like David Lynch's fuck you to people that didn't believe in him. And mm-hmm. especially his whole career now of fuck yous, you didn't believe in me and look what I can do. Yeah. All right. I think it's time to score this. Uh... 
10 out of 10, baby. I love this movie. I almost feel like I can't give this movie a traditional score. Like, I almost want to give it a letter instead of a number. And I give it an H out of 10. Yeah, I, let's do that. H for Henry. H out of 10, that's what I'm giving this. <laughs> if I was to actually score it, I don't know. I don't know if I would go as high as a 10, but I don't feel like I could give it any lower than, like, an 8 either. Uh, but it's hard. It's really hard for me to assign a score to this because I feel like this movie in particular goes kind of outside the bounds of a film, almost. Like, it's not here to just, like, entertain people. It's not necessarily like the shots and the lighting and all that shit is very well thought out and very cool but all of that stuff is more i feel like in service of david lynch than it is a viewer i guess and so it it's it's very interesting to try and assign a number to this when i feel like it almost goes a little bit outside of what we're normally scoring if that makes sense um so yeah i'm gonna go with it h out of, out of 10 yeah. and maybe maybe i'll try and make a decision when i go later on letterbox and try and put a letterbox score to this yeah, they're not going to accept an H. No, they're definitely not. <laughs> uh, I'll give it like an 8 out of 10. Like, it, yeah, it is a definitely unorthodox movie. And like Taylor said, it's hard to score this because it's like, part of me wants to be like, this is not a conventional movie. How can you score it conventionally? But mm-hmm. I, I, I see it as an 8 because I still admire what it's trying to do. I think not all of it lands for me, but still, like I said, if anything, I appreciate the hustle. Well, it, what's crazy to me is this movie comes out in 77, and then by 1980, he's making a prestige film for Mel Brooks yeah. with The Elephant Man, and then Universal gives him Doom. Mm-hmm. Like, what a crazy tra- trajectory from Eraserhead. I, I would never have guessed that that would be his next two films. You know what I mean? Like, like if, I, if I'm in, in, in 78, after this movie's kind of been received in people's brains. Yeah. Like, okay, your next your next story is 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 the the story of John Merrick? Like, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think of David Lynch, he's a funny guy. I like mm-hmm. there's that like what did Jack do thing that he did like a few years back where he conducts an interview with a monkey. Yeah, all of his short films are really, really interesting, um, and even the documentary made around him, David Lynch, The Art Life, which is also Criterion, um, which just is nothing about his creation as, as a narrative filmmaker or anything, like, it's just about his art, and just watching him chain smoke in his little studio and stuff, and, and, and make these insane pieces of, of, I don't know, like, like weird imagery and stuff like that, it's... it's He's a fascinating human being, and um, a, a man that even refuses to give interpretation, director's interpretation of what his stories actually mean. Like he just wants to leave it up to the to your viewer's eye and for you to interpret it, because he will never explain Eraserhead. And it's still, and and I mean, it, it's it's up to what you can pull from it. Mm. He, I, I don't think he even explains his effects in the movie either, because I was reading about how he won't tell people how the baby was made. Um, yeah, that it was found or that it was born nearby. Yeah. Like says. But just, I think that's fucking cool. <laughs> I it's think that's rumored. like the best kind of lore to put out there. And I, I, it's rumored that it was a cow fetus, and I can believe in it just for some of some of the uh, quote-unquote face stuff on this thing, that it, it's mm. it's probably a cow fetus, but yeah, what a fucked up thing. And I mean, and to also know that Lynch basically lived in that room for a year. Yeah, that's crazy. He slept there, and, and yeah, he lived there for a year. 
where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dad. You can find my letterbox that I believe is under the same. Uh, my website is stevestebbing.ca, and I'm on the ship with Shane Hewitt every Thursday at 11 p.m. Pacific time uh, across Canada, and then I'm also on After the Credits, which is a monthly podcast that I do with uh, Marina, Melissa, and Bill. And uh, yeah, just Google that one, and you'll find it. Um, uh, when I am hanging out online, I'm usually on Instagram or Twitch under the username Techronomicon. Um, I upload scores for the movies we cover on the podcast, and every once in a while, other random bullshit that I watch um, on Letterboxd under the username Sorcianic. And then I have a blog that I'll update occasionally if I do anything else interesting or of note, uh, Sorcianic.home.blog. Cool. Alright. And I'm over at 3GreenNerds.com, or almost every other day, over on Twitter, film crew Kurt, Bill Koala, on Letterboxd, you know the deal. Cool. Uh, on Sunday, we're talking about Lost Highway. Bye for now.